We are in the book of Romans chapter 8, and um, I, I probably owe a word of explanation because it seems like since we got to chapter 8, I've had my foot on the brake in how far we go, and we've just taken it in small bits, and that is purposeful uh, because... I, we, when we got to Romans 8, we said that this is, is one of the most monumental chapters found in all the Bible and just want to do it justice. The, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a topic that is uh, something that we all struggle with, and that is the issue of assurance. And the reason we need assurance is because of, because of life. Romans 1, chapters 1 through 7, just <laughs> preaches that, teaches that time after time after time. Then you come to Romans, the end of Romans 7, and Paul, just sharing personally, says, in the midst of being unashamed of the gospel, of the good news, my confession is I struggle to live for Jesus. Now, this is the great apostle Paul. I struggle. The things that I want to do, that I know God would have me do, I don't do. And those things that I shouldn't do, that I know the Lord does not want me to do, those are the things I end up doing. And at, toward the end of, of chapter 7, he cries out, Who can deliver me? And his answer is found, Jesus delivers Jesus delivers. And in chapter 8, he shows us how. So that, now watch this, the God that we declare the, his greatness is a God that is found in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity. Ours is a triune faith. It is unlike any other faith. Now you go, wait a minute, didn't you just admit that Hinduism, they have many, 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 many gods. They're more than three. But don't misunderstand, we do not believe in three gods. We believe in one God. Found in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So when we sing and we worship, we praise the Lord God right? We praise God our Father through Jesus the Son. And yet what Paul has, what we've seen in Romans chapter 8 is the way that we live for the glory of the Lord Jesus, the way that we declare the greatness of God is through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit, we're calling today's message, the Spirit's stealthy work. Because we tend to forget that the Holy Spirit is there. But it is the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Now, it's fascinating. It's part of the wonder of God. As the great hymn states, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since... Jesus came into my heart. 
right? So we say, have you trusted Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Does Jesus live inside of you? And if you are in Christ, the answer is yes, yes, yes. And yet, it is Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. All right? We're going to see, we're going to see, we're just going to look at this morning, and we're going to look at a little bit more, um, uh, with a little bit more time in a couple of weeks, just exactly where Jesus is and what he's doing. So, let's read it. Romans chapter 8, we're just covering two verses, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Father, we come to you asking that uh, through your Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus will be exalted. That we would be unashamed of your good news. Good news that rests squarely on the person of Christ. But Lord, we'll never know it. We'll never see it. We'll never understand it. And we'll never live it without the Holy Spirit. So we are grateful, God, that you are one. And Lord, we are grateful in how you present yourself and how you deal with your people. And Lord, how you've dealt with us before we were your people. And so I just pray, God, that for those that are in Christ, they would be brought closer to you as we come to love and treasure your spirit. And for those apart from Christ that are present in this room, that, Lord, your spirit would do what only he can do, and he would open eyes to see and ears to hear. For it is appropriate that we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The Spirit's stealthy work. You know, we, if you know what stealth is, anybody ever heard of a stealth bomber? What, what makes an airplane a stealth airplane? You don't see him, or it's very hard to see, right? You don't know he's there. It's a fascinating, uh, it's a fascinating uh, work of technology. And, um, but long before U.S. military uh, acquired a stealth airplane, a stealth bomber, God, through his spirit, worked stealthily. You don't see him, but you do see what he does. And what he does is done through believers, followers of Jesus Christ, to the glory of God in Christ, okay? You remember several weeks ago we read out of John uh, where Jesus makes the statement that he's going to send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to, to his disciples, and he will glorify, he said, me, i.e. Jesus, 
That is the work of the Holy Spirit, to magnify, lift up, declare the Lord Jesus Christ in and through the people of Christ, the people who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, you, you, you barely read of the Holy Spirit in the first seven chapters of Romans. But then in chapter 8, Paul says, okay, these people are suffering, they're struggling. I need to tell them God loves them, God has them, God holds them, and the manner in which, the means in which is through His, His Spirit. So, so that, you know, just, just looking at the, the first half of Romans 8, we see that the law, it is the spirit of life that has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In verse 5, you read that the spirit is a way of life, giving, giving life to those who set their minds on him. In verse 6, that way of life in the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 9 and 14, the presence of the Holy Spirit is the indicator of being in Christ and belonging to Christ. In other words, what he does in the life of the believer, we call it transformation. He's going to call it, we'll see next week, uh, being conformed to the image of God's Son, the Lord Jesus if there is not that in a person's life, there is an absence of the Holy Spirit. And when there is an absence of the Holy Spirit, that means that person does not know Christ. In verse 10, it is the Spirit that produces righteousness in you. Verse 11, he raised Jesus from the dead. He will give life to our mortal bodies. In verse 15, it is the Spirit that adopts us and causes us to cry out very tenderly, Abba, Father, to God. In verse 16, it is the Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, let's break this down. And, and in breaking it down, I'm, I'm going to give you three Three ways that the Spirit works in our lives, okay? You'll notice that it, the, verse 26 begins with the word likewise. In the ESV, it uses the word likewise. The context here is Paul has been writing since verse 17 when, he's, when he talks about the fact that if we are children of God, we are heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ— and then, remember, he makes this statement that kind of makes you step back and go, say, what, Willis? Right? Like, what, what you talking about? What you talking about? And that is, yes, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we're, as, as followers of Jesus, part of what that means is suffering marks, it marks our lives. It marks our lives. We suffer. We suffer. To be in Jesus is to suffer. And then in verse 18, he tells us that our current suffering 
does not compare to the glory that awaits. So while we wait, while we wait, the creation groans as it waits for what God is going to do, he tells us. And then he tells us that God's children groan as we wait for our great hope. So, likewise, as we wait for this hope, he he wraps up that part of Romans 8 in verse 24 and 25 by stating that we hope for what we do not see and we wait for it with patience. And as we wait, we groan. The children of God groan. And so then he lands in verse 26 by saying, likewise... Somebody else groans. Somebody else groans. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. On your outline, that's the first way the Spirit works that we're going to identify in these verses. He helps us. He helps us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our suffering. In, the, in our doubting, in as we encounter the struggles of everyday life and we wonder, gosh, God, are you there? God, am I yours? How could I say that and be a, and be a, a follower of Jesus? Well, the Spirit helps us in that weakness. Let me, let me ask you a question. What happens... When you really suffer, when you maybe experience loss, when a loved one goes through a difficult illness, um, maybe you lose your job, maybe something happens very unexpectedly, what happens when you suffer? Well, you tend to grow insular, don't you, inward. You, you, You personalize everything. No one else, it seems, understands what it is you've gone through, right? I can remember when um, my father died the very next Saturday after he died, I was watching, this is going to tell you a little bit of the spiritual depth of your pastor, I was watching Saturday Night Live and... um, now, this was 2004, so cut me a little slack. I was like 14. And, uh, okay, maybe not 14. But I was watching Saturday Night Live just to watch something. I, it, my dad's death knocked me for a loop. And um, they had a skit on death. And they were laughing. And I'm going, how can you laugh? How can you laugh? I've lost my dad. Now, I know that they didn't know that I had lost my dad, and they didn't care. The world goes on as you struggle, as you suffer, in your loss, in your pain, everything else goes on. And it's like, does anybody know? Does anybody care? You you just feel so isolated and alone. But what Paul is saying here is, you are not alone. You're not alone. 
The Spirit helps us. The Spirit is not repelled by you, but instead draws near to you in your weaknesses. Is not that amazing? We have been born again by the work of the Holy Spirit. We have been given new life, new birth. We have been set free from the dominion of sin. It is the Spirit, when everybody else fails us, when everything else just drops us, when it seems like relationships falter, it is the Spirit who never deserts, never leaves us, never backs off. When we abandon Him, He refuses to abandon us. He will not quit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is radically committed to you when you are in Christ. He will not fail you. Weaknesses notwithstanding, He is there. Now, folks, that's good news. That's good news. He knows your liabilities. He knows your sin. He knows your ignorance, your wicked habits, your destructive choices. You cannot fool him. He dwells in our hearts. He remains faithful even when we are not he helps us in our weakness. Do you, do you realize that? Do you know that? When you sense God's presence, that's the Holy Spirit. When you don't sense God's presence, the Holy Spirit abides and remains. That is his work that's who he is. That is his ministry. When we as a congregation sing praise to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Spirit that lifts that up to heaven. Because we are doing what he is here to do. And he manifests and makes it. He helps us in our weakness. It should not be a surprise. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Now, I, I just, I, I don't want to belabor this, but it's just kind of cool. I know that the word in English is comprised of four letters, H-E-L-P, help. But, uh, and this is not the most important thing you'll hear today, but the word in Greek, help, is a word that consists of 16 letters. And I'm going to try to pronounce it, so be patient with me. The word is sunanti labanami. Sunanti labanami. Sun is the prefix, it means with. Anti means on behalf of, and lambani means to take hold of. And the picture is the Holy Spirit 
takes us and takes hold of our lives in the situations that we find ourselves in and refuses to let go. Maybe one of the clearest pictures, Isaiah 41 says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. I will help you. What a, what a great picture of God. Don't, don't be afraid. I'll take you by your right hand and I'll hold you. I have got this because I have you. He intercedes for us with groanings. Creation groans, we groan, the Holy Spirit groans. Never think for a minute that God is some detached deity that doesn't care and doesn't feel. I know there are scholars that think that God does not feel, and I don't know how you can come up with that if you read Scripture. Time and time again, you see God feeling. The, the, what we don't understand is how you remain sinless and holy and pure and feel. But he does. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus comes across a deaf man, and um, I think we have that. Note, watch this. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him and take him aside from the crowd privately. He put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epaphatha, be open. Now here's, hold that. That word sighed is the exact same word in Romans that's used for groanings. Jesus groaned. He groaned. This man is deaf. He can't speak. And Jesus groans. On the cross, Jesus quotes the 22nd Psalm, verse 1. Many, many commentators think that he probably quoted the entire psalm, but we don't know. What's recorded is he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But here's what comes next in the psalm. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? God groans. The Holy Spirit groans. So, he helps us. He helps us. I don't, I don't know what you're enduring. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know if you had to identify some weaknesses. Maybe you'd really have to search far and wide to find any weakness. And I can just tell you, you probably need some humility. All right? Okay, we all have weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The pain, the struggle, he, he's there to help in our weakness. Secondly, Paul tells us that he intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. That, that word intercede means a go-between who entreats on behalf of another. One of the primary ways God gives assurance in the midst of our fears is by reminding us that he is 
for us. He intercedes for us. I don't have a lot of time. I, I just, I, th I think what I'll do is I, I'll, I'll just give you a real life example that I witnessed probably, I don't know, uh, 30 years ago. It was, uh, I was pastoring another church and we were having a church-wide, get this, 4th of July picnic. I mean, it was great. We had the burgers, the hot dogs, watermelon, potato salad, you name it, we had it, right? It was a great day. It's a glorious July, early July day, and um, it was not all that hot. Everything was right. One of our women got stung by a bee. And um, she had an allergic reaction. And she was taken by ambulance to the hospital. Her husband was a 20-year Army veteran. And um, she just got worse and worse and worse. And in a matter of hours, she was on a ventilator. And a few hours after that, we were all in her hospital room as her, we were told she's not, she, she's not going to make it. And when we take her off the ventilator, she, she's going to die. two daughters, and I watched this man who loved his wife and loved the Lord Jesus. The only way I can, the only way I can explain what happened in that room is the Holy Spirit interceded for him. In the midst of the tears, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, and the Spirit compelled him. And he walked over, and not that the Spirit needed to compel him to do this. He walked over to his wife, and he kisses her. as we, He's about to give the word to remove the ventilator. He kisses her. He steps back. And there's just a handful of us in the room, and he reaches out his hands, and we all take hands. And he, as they take the ventilator off, and she begins to breathe her last, he leads us in amazing grace. And there we sit singing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And the only explanation I have for that is the Holy Spirit's intercession in his life. He intercedes. When you don't know it, He intercedes. When you need Him the most, He intercedes. Why? Because remember, He's there to help. Third, on your outline, number three. And this is going to be tough. Um, this is going to be tough for some of us, okay? For those of us that kind of have to have control and for those of us that uh, we have to have the final say and the final word and maybe we can be a bit manipulative to get our way, this is going to be tough, but here it is. He intercedes according to God's will. He intercedes for us according to God's will. Notice, that's, Paul says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There's so much going on here. 
The Father knows the mind of the Spirit, and the mind of the Spirit is in the midst of interceding for the saints. How? According to the will of God. So that what you want to happen as you pray and and ask God to do something, you need to know the Spirit is interceding for you before God himself But he's giving you, he's praying that God will give you what is best for you according to God and not what is best for you according to you. See the difference? What you want may not be what God wants for you. The Spirit is interceding for you to have and to know what God wants wants for you. The question is, who are you going to trust? Yourself? Who has very little knowledge of five minutes from now, much less five years from now. You're going to take that on yourself? God, this is what I need. You and me, we have skewed filters and skewed processors. We think we know, but we don't know Or are we going to trust the Lord himself who sees everything from eternity through eternity? Who knows everything? Who knows everything about you and what you need? Who are you going to trust? Um, if you are taking notes, you can turn the page over. This is going to be how we're in. I just, I'm going to read these to you and we'll be done. I want to give you three application points about this, about what Paul says, about the, how the Holy Spirit works. He helps us. He intercedes for us. But he intercedes for us specifically to bring the will of God, make it a reality in our lives. Okay? So, number one. Realize you may not know what is going on behind the scenes of your suffering. In the midst of your suffering, you may not know what God is up to. Okay? God does know. He has a plan, and that plan is for your good. And if that intrigues you, come back next Sunday, because verse 28 is going to blow the doors off. Okay? We'll look at that next time. Number two, you do not have to know what to pray. You don't have to know what to pray. Just pray. Why? (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit takes over in your prayer with groanings that are too rich, too deep to even for us to even understand. And he makes our prayers what they ought to be. To the Father. The Holy Spirit is interceding for your for you. Okay? Number three. Acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge your weakness and trust in God's strength. Acknowledge your weakness and trust in God's strength. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. How sad, how unfortunate when a father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has turned from their sin, acknowledged their, they can't do this, 
I can't do this, God. Yes, I'm a sinner. I need something outside of me. And I know that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the cross to do for me what I could never do for myself. Right? Our, our faith is grounded in our inability to redeem ourselves. It's, it's, it's this acknowledgement of our own weakness before God. How sad when somebody who is redeemed lives, has been saved by grace through faith, will not acknowledge their weaknesses. Here's what you need to know. God is enough. He is enough to save and he is enough to be assured. Be assured. Be assured. God the Father desires that his children have the confidence and the assurance of his presence through his spirit that indwells them. And that spirit intercedes for the saints. Stand with me. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we prepare to sing, may these words that flow off of our tongues, may they, be, may they resonate in truth. May we capture what they mean and lift them to you, sing them unto you. And God, may the decision of our hearts, our souls, our minds honor you as we live unto you and ask it all as the Spirit captures this prayer. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.